Well, tonight I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 4. The Gospel according to Mark, chapter 4. And in the continuation of our Sunday evening series on discernment, And specifically, growing in discernment as it relates to our personal benefiting from God's Word. From Mark 4, 23 through 25, I want to preach a message on how to personally benefit from the teaching and preaching of God's Word. How to personally benefit from the teaching and preaching of God's Word. Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 23, Jesus says... If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that hath, to him shall be given. And he that hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he hath. And the principal truth that Jesus is asserting in these three verses of our text is the truth that all people, especially Christian people, have a responsibility to pay close attention to the words that are spoken by those who teach and preach the word. Jesus is teaching us very clearly that he responds to us as we respond to His Word. When we hear the teaching and preaching of God's Word and receive it by faith, responding with eagerness, gladness, and a true desire to know God, God will bless us with a greater knowledge of Himself. God will draw nigh to us. God will entrust us with a deeper understanding of who He is. And on the contrary, Jesus explains in verse 25 that when we respond to the teaching and preaching of God's Word in a doubtful, cold-hearted, critical, and uncaring way, we, by our arrogant attitude and actions, are telling God that we don't want Him and we don't need Him. This inevitably leads to God withdrawing from us which is essentially spiritual suicide. It is vital that we take extreme care regarding who we allow to teach us as well as how we listen to the Word of God. If there is one phrase more than any other phrase in the Gospels that is repeated by Christ... It is the phrase recorded for us in verse 23. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Now, do I need to remind you of the importance of being reminded by repetition through Scripture? Or did we forget this morning's sermon already? Listen to the amount of times Jesus says, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear In Matthew 11, 15, Jesus says, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. In Matthew 13, verse 9, Jesus says, Who hath ears to hear, 
Let him hear. Same chapter, chapter 13, verse 43, Jesus says, Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Repeating the same truth in the same parable, Mark records Jesus saying in Mark 4, 9, Mark 4, 23, Mark 7, 16, If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Repeating, repeating the same truth in the same parable, Luke records Jesus saying in Luke 8, 8 and Luke 14, 35, If any man have ears to hear, help me out, let him hear. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And then turning to the book of Revelation, do you know what Jesus continually says to the seven churches after every sermon he preaches? And to the church of Ephesus, Jesus says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the church. Unto the church in Smyrna, Jesus says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To the church in Pergamos, unto the angel of the church in Thyatira, unto the church in Sardis, unto the church in Philadelphia, unto the church to the Laodiceans, Jesus repeats these same words. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. And in fact, to the church in Laodicea, Jesus not only says, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come to him and sup with him and he with me. So there in Revelation 3.20, we have the same principle of Mark 24 and 25. If we open our heart's door to God's voice, if we open up our hearts to Christ's teachings, Christ promises to come to us and commune with us. The promise is conditional. If we come to the teaching and preaching of God's word with ears to hear and a humble heart to obey, then God will teach us. God will increase our knowledge of him. God will encourage our hearts God will fill us with spiritual strength and joy. But if we come to the teaching and preaching of God's word with ears to dismiss what is said, if we come to the teaching and preaching of God's word with a proud, hard, or distracted heart, God will see to it that we will remain spiritually barren and unfruitful. So Jesus, in his teaching, continually says before his teaching, in the middle of his teaching, and at the end of his teaching, he says, listen, hearken, understand, take heed to what you hear. And Jesus says this because he wants us to profit from what is being said. He wants us to know him as he is. Jesus does not desire that we would be among those who remain spiritually unfruitful. Jesus desires that we would be among those who will grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. So this being said, in the time that we have together tonight, I want us to examine the ways in which we can personally profit from the teaching and preaching of God's word. I want to look at practical ways that we, when we come to church, can have an ear to hear 
what the Spirit says through His Word. And my main motivation for doing this is this. If the state of our souls and our spiritual growth is connected with how we come to church and how we listen to a sermon, then I think it is absolutely vital for us to consider what practices we ought to implement in our lives when God's word is proclaimed in our hearing. If the state of our souls and our spiritual growth is connected with how we come to church and how we listen to a sermon, and it is connected with this, then it's vital that we stop and pause and think about ways in which we can benefit from the teaching and preaching of God's Word. So the question I'm seeking to answer tonight is, what is the best way to listen to a sermon? How can we profit from the preached Word? And the first point that I want us to set before us is an obvious point, but a point that needs to be stated nonetheless, which is the reality that in order for us to profit from the preaching and teaching of God's Word, we need to be in attendance when the Word is preached. Point number one, if you're taking notes, is be in attendance. All of you get gold stars for tonight. You're here. Be in attendance. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promise. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. And David says in Psalm 122 verse 1, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So fusing Hebrews 10, 25 through 20, 23 through 25 and Psalm 122, 1 into one truth, we see from Scripture how needful it is to actually bring our bodies to the place where God is worshipped by God's people, namely the local church. You see, the local church is the New Testament house of God. It's the place where scriptures are to be exposited and where the ordinances are practiced. We looked at that this morning in our Sunday school class. In fact, the Apostle Paul calls the church, the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Now, I know we live in a day where Christian people are tempted to purposely dismiss gathering with the church on the Lord's Day because... They can easily stay at home and watch the live stream or they can listen to the recorded sermons after they have been preached. But we must recognize that such a practice is absolutely foreign to the truths and principles of Scripture. The Bible assumes that God's people will assemble together in person when God's word is preached. In fact, 
An assembly of the saints is the very definition of a church. You can't have church if there are not assembled people. And so looking at this biblically, throughout the book of Acts, we find that God's people came together to worship on the first day of the week. Peter exhorts the elders, 1 Peter 5, to feed the flock that is visibly among them. And when the epistles were written by the apostles, when they were delivered to local assemblies, they were read to those who were present, which means only those who were present could profit from the reading and the teaching of Scripture. So I'm persuaded we need to do away with this nonsensical, unbiblical notion that you can be a mature Christian while purposely and continually neglecting the ordained means of growing in grace through the public proclamation of the Word. If you want to grow as God intends for you to grow, you need to set God's house and the preaching of God's Word as a priority in your life. Do you want to profit from listening to sermons? You need to be present. You need to be like David and have a joyful anticipation of going to God's house. Again, David says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. David didn't say I was mad. David didn't say I was sad. David didn't say I was bothered when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. David said, I was glad. You see, David viewed going to the house of the Lord, going to the place of worship as a delight, not a dread. He viewed the worship of God as a blessing, not a burden. You didn't have to pressure, manipulate, or drag David to worship. David wanted to worship God every chance he had. And the same must be true in our life. If we want to truly profit from the pastor's word, we must strive to be present. We must bring our bodies to church. Online church is not church. You might hear the words of the sermon listening online, but you don't get the thunder and the lightning, as Lloyd-Jones says. The thunder and the lightning, even the splash zone sometimes. The splash zone, you've been to SeaWorld, never mind. Sometimes the pastor spits when he gets excited. First row is called the splash zone. See, when you, if you don't come to church, you don't get to see and sense how God is working in the midst of his church. Haven't you been at that place where the pastor's preaching and you know he's just dealing with hearts? You know he's drawing. You know somebody's going to be saved. You can just sense, and I'm not talking in a strange Pentecostal charismatic way. You can just sense that the presence of God is here. But if you listen online, you will miss seeing the effects of preaching. You'll miss seeing people giving their lives to Christ, people being baptized in believer's baptism, and people being added to the church. So strive to be present every time the word is preached. The pastor is preparing his sermon for you. And it has been said, the sermon you needed most is the one you missed. And I can tell you how many times I, I've seen this truth played out. There are many times in my verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter exposition of the text where I think this text would be so helpful for this person in this circumstance, but they're not here. They're at the beach. 
They're at the zoo. They slept in. They're watching the ball game. They come to me. They say that they're depressed. They say they want spiritual help. And they're not here. And the sermon you needed the most is the sermon you missed. Point number one, be present when the word is preached. Point number two, expect God to speak to you when the word is preached. How does God want us to come to church and listen to the sermon? Here it is, by coming with a spirit of expectation. Listen to what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 5 verse 1. Solomon says, Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools for they consider not that they do evil. Solomon says, be more ready to hear when you go to the house of God. Solomon does not say, when you go to the house of God, be more ready to drink coffee with your buddies. He doesn't say, be more ready to talk to your friends about the football game. Solomon doesn't say, when you go to the house of God, be more ready to sing, be more ready to fellowship, to eat. Solomon doesn't say, when you go to the house of God, be more ready to look at how many Avon customers you can get in one day. He said, when thou goest to the house of God, be more ready to hear. Go with an anticipation to listen to God's word attentively. Go with a desire to draw near to God. Go with a desire to align your heart to the precepts of the word. Listen to what Paul says of the church in Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us. So Paul went preaching. He came to Thessalonica. In his preaching of the word, they heard the word of God. But listen, when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the words of men, but as it is in truth. The word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So Paul is saying when the believers in Thessalonica heard God's messengers preach God's word, they opened their hearts to receive it as a message from God himself. Now they were not looking to God's messengers as gods. Don't misunderstand this. But they believed that God's word was God's voice. And this is vital. If you want to profit from preaching and teaching, you need to recognize that the Old Testament and the New Testament are God's two lips through which He speaks to us. God's Word is God's will. This is a more sure word of prophecy. When the preacher exposits God's Word faithfully, he is setting before you the will of God. He is setting before you the voice of God. So come to hear from God. Come to hear from heaven. Jesus said, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. God says in Psalm 81.10, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. If you open your heart to God's word like a baby bird with its mouth open wide, 
hungry and thirsty for God, God will feed you. So come to the preaching of God's word expecting God to speak to you. Don't come out of tradition. Don't come out of routine. Come longing to be changed. Come wanting to meet with God. This is point number two. Come with an anticipation. Point number three. In your coming to hear the preaching of God's word, pray. Pray. Ask God to speak to your heart before the sermon. Ask God to speak to your heart during the sermon. Ask God to give you the strength and grace to apply what has been preached after the sermon. Ask God to help the preacher preach the word faithfully in the power of the Spirit. Ask God to glorify His name through the gathering of the saints. Pray. James says, we have not because we ask not. Could it be that we are not seeing the blessing God wants us to see because we're not asking? I fear many times we don't receive a blessing from the preached word because we rush to get to church out of tradition. We sit in our normal seats. We Warmly welcome those around us. We pull out our phones to see what notifications are buzzing at the last minute, and we forget what coming to church is all about. We forget to pray. We forget to tune our hearts to fear His name. So I'm proposing in this third point that when we come to the house of God to hear God's word, we need to make prayer. A priority. Feed us, Lord. Rend the heavens and come down. Bring revival to my heart and the hearts of others around me. So as I said, pray before the church service. Pray during the church service. Pray after the church service. Pray for yourself. Pray for others. Pray for the pastor. Pray for the preacher. And then point number four, when you come to hear a sermon, it is vital that you strive to keep your heart and mind engaged in what is being said. What is the pastor even speaking about now? Strive to keep your heart and mind engaged in what is being said. And under this four point, let me give you three subpoints that are interconnected with what I'm saying. If you want to benefit from the teaching and preaching of God's word, you must prepare your heart, mind, and body beforehand. Are you listening? If you want to profit from the preached word, you need to prepare your mind, your heart, and even your body before the sermon. Now, this involves striving, if you can to get a good night's sleep on Saturday night. Parents, this involves making sure that your kids don't stay up late into the night. Now for some parents, it also may involve setting out the kids' clothes on Saturday, ironing them so they're ready to go on Sunday morning. This involves food prep on Saturday night so that you're not rushing around wild and rampant on Sunday morning. And if you want a biblical text that establishes what I'm saying, 
I would commend to your reading Exodus chapter 19. In Exodus 19, before the giving of the law, God told Moses to tell Israel to prepare themselves to meet with God. God told Moses, the shepherd, to tell the sheep to get their hearts, minds, and bodies, and clothes ready to hear from heaven. So you don't do one of these on Sunday morning. I only have one church sock. No, iron your socks the night before and be ready to go. A large part of keeping your heart and mind engaged in what is being said is preparing your heart, mind, and body before the sermon. If you want to benefit from the teaching and preaching of God's word, you must prepare beforehand. That's subpoint number one. Subpoint number two. If you want to profit from the teaching and preaching of God's word, keeping your mind engaged, you must listen on purpose. Listen on purpose. Now listen, it's possible to bring our bodies to church while we leave our hearts at home. It's possible to sit down in our favorite spot and immediately go into daydreaming mode. It's possible because we're so familiar with this place and it's been a long day that we sit down in our assigned seat and go into napping mode when the preacher begins his message. It's like automatic. When the preacher says, take your Bibles and turn with me, you're like, check out. In his sermon entitled Heart Piercing, Charles Spurgeon said to his hearers, quote, The first time you heard God's faithful servant preach, you felt ready to weep yourself under the power of the truth of God, which he proclaimed. But now his voice has grown so familiar that even when it is most earnest, you go to sleep under it. I have been in a meal when there has been such a clatter of wheels that I could not hear myself speak. Yet the miller has told me that he was so used to the noise that he could go to sleep in it. And there are persons who have sat so long under a faithful minister that they have got used to his message and do not feel its force as they did when they first heard it. To use a common expression, they have become gospel-hardened. And this is a very serious state for any man to reach. May God save us from that perilous condition by causing us to be pricked in the heart. So Spurgeon, even in his day, says it's possible to come to the church of God and just go into tune-out mode. So when we come to hear a sermon, we must strive to listen to the preacher on purpose. And getting more practical, let me say that it is needful for us to strive to fight against wandering thoughts. You say, the pastor doesn't understand this. He's the one preaching. Well, sometimes the pastor listens to preaching. He knows exactly what this means. Jesus says, Luke 9, that we should let his word sink down into our hearts. The author of Hebrews exhorts us to take diligent heed to the things that we hear, lest at any time we should let them slip away. So we need to listen on purpose. We need to stay in tune. We need to bring our mind back when it begins to wander on the to-do list. 
help me out, when it begins to wander on the errands of Monday, on the sports game, wonder what that sports game is. Bring it back. We can't help the birds flying over our head, but we can't help making a nest in our hair, Luther said. So our minds, our thoughts sometimes may wonder, but we got to bring it back. Bring it back. You must listen on purpose. And then sub-point number three, do everything within your power to eliminate distractions. This is an important one. Eliminate distractions. Listen, 2024, this involves turning off your phone. And I'm convinced, unless you have a dying family member in the hospital or you are on call for work, why do you need it on? Almost every other service, somebody's phone is dinging and ringing. It'll save you from embarrassment. How about keeping a Kleenex with you so you don't have to get up and go out? Or how about this, using the restroom before the service? Or making sure your kids use the restroom before service? Listen, when you get up, it's a distraction, not only to you, but to others, to the pastor. If people are constantly up and about. So how about avoiding sitting next to people who distract through whispers and note writing? And this is one of the reasons I prefer for kids to sit with their parents and not other kids. I was a teenager once. I know exactly what happens when teens get together and they sit next to each other at church. I know exactly what happens. But what we need to understand under this point is that, listen, there is a real spiritual battle that's taking place when sermons are preached. It is. I was talking to a brother this morning who says, I just get tired when we come to church. And I replied, I said, the one day where I want to sleep in more than others is Sunday. I'm the most tired Sunday morning. You can ask my wife, even last night. Woke up in the middle of the night and couldn't fall back to sleep for an hour or two. And I thought to myself, of course, it's Saturday. You know what I'm saying? It's a spiritual battle just trying to get to church. Satan's going to do everything he can to throw distractions out your way so that you will not hear the sermon. He wants to pluck the truths from your heart and mind. Satan hates what's taking place in our services. Satan doesn't want you to profit from the word. He doesn't want you to be encouraged. He doesn't want you to be provoked into love and good works. Satan wants your mind to wander. He wants you to get up and miss an important point the pastor is trying to emphasize. He wants you to be late to church. He wants you to think of the sports game going on more than Christ. So we need to fight against that. Don't give in to it. Fight against it. Get a good night's rest before Sunday. Parents, shepherd your children. Take away their phones. If you allow them to sit next to friends, see that they are supervised, doing their best to listen. Why? Because we're talking about their souls. We're talking about their souls. Help me out. This is not a lecture. What I'm doing now, it's not a TED Talk. The pastor's not speaking in theory. He's speaking in truth. The preaching service is not a time for you to catch up on your Bible reading. It's not a time for you to check your emails. It's a time to hear from God. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. When you come to hear a sermon, it's vital that you strive 
to keep your heart and mind engaged with what is being said. That's point number four. Point number five is the need to believe what is said. Believe. Hebrews 6.11 But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. If in your hearing you are perceiving that the Bible is being preached to you in truth, you need to believe it. Believe that what the pastor is preaching to you is from God. It's not his opinion. It's from God. Believe that this is God's word for you. It's one thing to hear a sermon. It's quite another to actually believe the truths that are being articulated through the sermon. For instance, you can come hear a sermon on how to listen to a sermon and say, yeah, I already know all this. These things are nice ideas that the pastor is talking about. It's quite another to come to a sermon like this and say, what the pastor is telling me and showing me from Scripture is true. So I need to take this seriously. I need to examine my life. I need to try to do better. I need to believe that the teaching and preaching of God's Word is God's appointed means for me to grow. Do you know what Jesus said of those who were seeking His blessing? He would often say, according to your faith be it unto you. Jesus took people's faith seriously and he responded to it. You see, people were not blessed in just presenting their bodies to him, but in their personal faith in him. So when we come to church, it's necessary that we believe the faithful teaching and preaching of God's word. One of the saddest accounts in the Bible is when Jesus goes to his own hometown of Nazareth preaching the word in the power of the Spirit with great authority. And we read that he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Here, God in the flesh was among them, the preacher of all preachers, and Christ purposely withheld his blessing from the people of Nazareth because they did not believe his message. What a shame. May this never be said of us. May we never come to the preaching of God's word in a doubtful or scornful way. Point number five is believe what is said. Receive it in faith. Point number six. In our coming to God's word, it's important to apply what is said. And it's important to apply what is said personally. So ask yourself, as the sermon is being preached, How does the pastor's text apply to me? What is God speaking to my heart about? What do I need to repent of? What do I need to rejoice in? What do I need to strive to put into practice? Is there a warning that I need to take heed to? Is there an encouragement that can comfort my soul? What truth or truths is the pastor seeking to drive home? You see, the pastor is preaching to you. He's not preaching to the wall. He's not preaching for himself. While he may be preaching to others, the congregation at large, he is preaching to you. And under this point, let me make sure that we understand that the purpose of the sermon is not for you to point your fingers at others. Oh, we've never been guilty of that, have we? 
Don't come to the sermon thinking, this would be great if so-and-so would hear it. Now, it may be true that so-and-so might benefit from it, but don't forget, don't forget that the sermon is for you. You're here. God's word is for you. So don't come listening to attack others. Don't nudge your wife. Don't nudge your husband. Don't stare down your kids. Don't turn around and point to that church member. Strive to apply what is said personally. That's point number six. Apply what is said personally. And then point number seven. Obey what is said promptly. Obey what is said promptly. As the preacher is preaching the truths of God's word, seek to put it in practice at once. Not later, but now. You see, the goal of all preaching is change. The goal of all preaching is conformity to the, Im- to the image of Christ. The goal of all preaching is transformation. This book has not been given for our information, but for our transformation. The goal of all preaching is to live out what we hear. And the blessing of God is not in the hearing and knowing. The blessing of God is in the doing. The wise man who builds his life on the rock is the one who hears and obeys. James says we need to be doers of God's word and not hearers only. So we come to the preaching of God's word with a desire to obey what is said. To obey is better than sacrifice. Obey. You are my servants indeed if you obey, Christ said. If you love me, keep my commandments. Obey. Obey. Point number eight. If you want to benefit from the teaching and preaching of God's word, you need to be careful not to be at odds with the preacher or pastor. You need to be careful not to be at odds with the preacher or pastor. Now, I'm not saying this because I'm the pastor and someone is at odds with me in the auditorium tonight. I'm saying it because it can be a real hindrance from you profiting from the Word. This is exactly what took place when Jesus went to Nazareth. The Bible says they were offended at Him. They treated him as a young man who didn't know what he was speaking about. They looked at his age. They looked at his lack of credential. They looked at him as being a man with no form or comeliness. And they crossed their arms in disbelief at what he said. So the principle is this. If you come to church and you're holding a grudge toward the one who's trying to feed you, if you come to church and you cannot trust the one that's proclaiming the truths of God's word to your soul, you have a great problem. You're not going to grow as God desires of you. And there have been those in the past here at Calvary. And they would come, sit in their pew, mad at the fact that I was the new pastor. Mad that I had counseled them to do something they didn't like. Some even refused to shake my hand when I would approach them. They would avoid me at all costs, yet they would come hard-hearted and stiff-necked. I'm telling you, God is not going to bless that. If you have a problem with the pastor, you need to work it out. You need to ask for forgiveness or you need to forgive. And from the preacher's perspective, I can tell you that this is a continual burden to carry when people come to listen to you, but you know that they are at odds with you and they don't want to work it out. 
And you know they're gossiping about you behind closed doors. It's, it's almost as if they delight in being a thorn in the pastor's flesh. Who wants to be the one who is known to be the thorn in the preacher's side? Some people seem to think that it's their goal in life to be the thorn in the pastor's side. I can't understand that. I can't understand why some people would want to be Satan's method of discouraging the pastor, the one trying to help them. So I'm saying, if you want to profit from the teaching and preaching of God's Word, you need to be careful that you're not at odds with the preacher and pastor. And there are some people who will listen to this online And they are in the midst of a hostile environment in the church and they have no respect for their pastor. They've seen over the years that his character is flawed. He he does not meet the qualifications of a minister. Well, I would tell such people that it's time to go. Either pray the pastor out or find another church. You can't benefit from the word if you think your pastor is corrupt. You can't benefit from the word if you think he's double-minded. If you think he's not being honest. This is important. Be careful that you're not at odds with the preacher or the pastor. And then finally, point number nine. Point number nine is be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful to God for the word that's preached. Be thankful to God that he gives pastors and preachers for our spiritual benefit. Be thankful for the ministers who are pouring their time, energy, and effort into shepherding your soul. In the wilderness wanderings of Israel, Romans chapter 1 teaches us that one of the signs of carnality, one of the signs of ungodliness is being a people who are unthankful for God's blessings. The Israelites were constantly being reproved and judged by God because of their unjust murmurings which were aimed at the shepherd. What did Moses do? But obey God, and yet they wanted to take it out on the leader. So they couldn't profit. I think one of the ways we can incline our hearts to be in tune with the messenger of God and his message is by continually giving thanks to God and thanks to him. Again, I'm not making this point so I can be lavish with thank you cards after every sermon. I'm saying it because it's a biblical principle that will help us. I've experienced it in my own heart, in my own ministry, under other pastors. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13, and we beseech you, Paul says, we beseech you, brethren, to know them that labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Hebrews 13, 7, remember them that have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation. And then verse 17 of Hebrews 13, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So thankfulness to God and thankfulness to God's preachers is a practical way we can be humble. Gratitude and humility go hand in hand. And God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Be thankful. Now let me close by having us recognize from our opening text that in a very real sense, Jesus is emphasizing the truth that we are as holy as we want to be. If God responds to us 
as we respond to him through his word, if what he said is true, with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you, and unto you that here shall more be given, then I think it's safe to conclude that we are as spiritually mature as we want to be. We know as much as God's word as we want to know. We are as spiritually wise as we want to be. We are as close to God as we desire. To the extent that we want God to speak to our hearts, He does. Now, this is the balance between the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. Yes, God is sovereign. God must open our understanding. God must illuminate our hearts. God must teach us His truths by His Spirit. Yet, on the other hand, Jesus is teaching, if we draw nigh to God, God will draw nigh to us. If we hunger and thirst after righteousness, He says He will fill us. So the final question we need to ask ourselves is this. Are we content with where we are at spiritually? Or do we desire to grow to know Him more? Why do some people benefit from sermons and others do not? Why do some grow more in their faith and others do not? Most of the time, the answer is because that's what they want. That's what they want. We see this illustrated in the proud Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes who were hard-hearted and unwilling to change. They were unwilling to hear Christ with their spiritual ear because they already knew the truth. And then on the other side, we see that exemplified in the humble Gentiles who came to Christ attentive to every word he said. So let me ask you, are you growing? Are you benefiting from the teaching and preaching of God's word? Can you look back at the last year and recognize a change in your life because of the teaching and preaching of the word and coming to church? Or is coming to church just a rigid routine? Oh, I pray that God will give us an ear to hear what the Spirit says every time we come to church, every time we listen to a sermon.